Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode two of season three of This Osteopathic Life. I've appreciated the opportunity to come to this reset point to feel the freshness of a new season, to enjoy the opportunity to explore and expand and see where this journey will take us. I appreciate that you return each week to listen in and for your patience as we await the upcoming episodes of Conversations. I have a number of them upcoming pending recording and I'm excited to share with you continued expansion of perspectives on the health of all things. As I mentioned, I'll also be bringing in a monthly panel, and there'll be a wide variety of topics and collaborators there, but it's going to be an exciting endeavor into the expansion of the possibility within this osteopathic life. Today, I record in the, I'd say confines, but that sounds limiting, within the beautiful coziness of a cabin not too far from where I live in Northwest Michigan, but far enough away that it feels like a vacation, like time away from home. And I wouldn't say necessarily the busyness of it because I've had a lot of work to do. And let's say I've chosen to continue to do my work while here based on upcoming deadlines and really more so amazing opportunities and interesting how work can feel different in a different environment. And perhaps like many of you, I have had the opportunity, we could look at it as the graciousness to be able to work from home this past year, or to not have to enter into spaces where risks of COVID were high, where different costs were perhaps limiting to that experience. And also in working from home, it does feel like every space is work-oriented It can be difficult to get into certain mindsets. And actually, the original intended purpose of my time away these few days was to dig deeper into my book creation project. And there has been some endeavor into that. But again, timing required some other pieces from me, and I'm okay with it. You know, I don't feel like that's wrong or limiting or restrictive, but I also do see the value of having this space away in order to walk in and say, okay, this is what's happening here. And to designate a time in the day that was for relaxation and just simply for the change of scenery. For me, travel has been a key and core part of my life for as long as I can remember, and particularly in this past year. And interestingly, I was really ramping up, you know, and I had travel for the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship nearly once a month and lecturing at different conferences and visiting loved ones all across the country. And we could certainly examine the sustainability of that from a cost and a carbon footprint standpoint. And also, I do know, right, that is something I associated with rejuvenation, 
with growth, with creativity, with this kind of wanderlust, you know, exploratory spirit that I have. It also brought me in to regular engagements with people in different locations. My sister, Alicia, actually was able to meet up with me multiple times because of the proximity of where my travels would take me. And that was a really lovely bonus. And so I really have missed travel this year. And as much as I've appreciated, you know, this summer, when I shared with you how I swam every day from the solstice to the equinox, and did I say that right? Yes, solstice to equinox, summer to autumn. I literally didn't leave like a one mile radius of my house. You know, I would bike to the library, I would bike to the lake, I would bike to the co-op, I would bike to the hiking trails, you know, I would take runs. Well, okay, I left the one mile radius when I would go on, say, a 10K run or a bike ride. But in general, right, I didn't leave that nucleus if it wasn't by foot or by bicycle. And if we did drive, it was perhaps 20 miles away to the lakeshore, right, to a relatively open and non-populated area. And then we would return each day to our home. And I knew I was missing travel, but I didn't know the depths of it until one day I was looking for something in my bathroom and I opened up this bag. I have my old zippy bags where we would put soiled clothes, you know, when we did cloth diapering with our children and I love them because they're lined. So they have this waterproof element and they're great for repurposing for different reasons. Also for sweaty outfits from the gym right back when there was the going to the gym and not just the gym being in your garage component. And so I was looking for something under the cupboard and I opened one and was brought to tears. And what was in that bag were all the travel size hotel shampoos and soaps. And while I do, again, try to limit single use plastic, oftentimes if I'm in a hotel, I will take it with me and actually we repurpose them. They're the best bath toys. So my kids all along, you know, from these past 13 years on have loved playing with them and the different sizes and, you know, the little squirt toys that they become. And also the soap. I remember once seeing, right, the soap gets thrown away. And so I would just wrap it up and bring it with me because it lasts a long time. My bar soap has a lot of timeliness, but it's slight tangent there. But I literally did. I just looked at it and a flood of memories came over me. And I could remember each moment of being in the different hotels and feeling how strongly I loved that opportunity to be in new spaces and to explore new cities by foot and what it was like to take a run right along whatever body of water I could find because that's the way for my geographically and directionally challenged self is to find you know a river or a lake so that I can orient myself to that when I run and not get lost to find right those paleo friendly eateries to see how the juice bars were in different towns and of course ice cream right finding the primary and best ice cream in each place Visiting gyms, I loved dropping into different gyms and the adaptation within the culture and to be able to just step in and pick up a routine. And the downtime, right? To just have this quiet space in the hotel to do whatever. And oftentimes I would not do anything very different than when I was at home, writing in a journal, writing a blog post, recording a podcast, right? Many of these episodes have been recorded at locations all across the country, but just that sense of it, right? And, and to pack a suitcase, right? I loved it. And my Flamingo suitcase has been so trusty and reliable for me over this time and to get really efficient, right? And I would pack a lot because I would pack a number of workout outfits 
and you know shoes that would be friendly for walking about the city in layers and different temperature and how can you get creative enough to keep it in your carry-on and then how many books right and I, I do have a kindle but I haven't totally adapted to it and actually audiobooks have been friendlier but how much could I jam into my backpack and what snacks could I fit in and you know learning not to eat on airplanes to help minimize you know GI distress and optimize fasting and then remembering right the highlights of each of the airports and I will say sweet potato fries were the biggest consistency that I would have wherever I would go and just appreciating all of it that is when I read my page turning right tangible literal paper books was on airplanes for some reason right it seemed justified to sit and be still and read them in that space and I often didn't want to pay for wi-fi which was a a nice way to constrain myself from doing more computer work so in any case all of that right from opening this old zipper bag full of tiny bottles of shampoo and conditioner and lotion and bars of soap and so when I set out to come to this cabin with so much gratitude for my family for granting me this space and time, which they always have, I've always had endless understanding and support from my nuclear family and my extended family, but my nuclear family is more directly impacted from my time away to be able to do this. And actually, I'm welcoming them here this evening to also participate because I know for them, they also have that wanderlust, no surprise. And so to welcome them into this space this evening. But I decided to bring with me two of those little bottles and one bar of the soap. And while I knew there was likely going to be a ready supply here available for me, it just felt right, right to bring this memory with me to honor the travel that I had done and to just embrace it. And to be honest, I picked the top one, you know, the matching pair in the bag. But as I drew it out, what I remembered of the time of it was this stay in a hotel in Portland, Oregon, right after the injury I experienced tearing my abdominal muscle. And this was an event, again, that had been booked many months in advance for all of us to go up to Portland. This is when we were living in Southern Oregon to see the Indigo Girls, favorite all-time band, have seen them, can't even count number of times, play in the Oregon Zoo in Portland. Outdoors, live events, bring my kids to see them for the first time. And it was supposed to be amazing, right? And within the week prior, I think it was, I put the picture on all the dates, within you know, one or two weeks prior, I suffered this injury and I was limited, right? I was not allowed to walk more than a block. I had to wear a binder to work. You know, every movement was painful. And we were thinking, should we cancel this trip? And I was adamant that no, no, we were not going to. And so we went and stayed in this super cute kind of boutique hotel and we had to take you know, the, the train and maybe this is the wrong language for the public transport in Portland. So I did have to walk a little bit, right? A little bit more than perhaps I was supposed to. But as soon as we got to the zoo, I was in an electric kind of motorized wheelchair. And it was such an interesting experience because at that point in time, immediately prior to being injured, I was probably at my peak fitness and I had been training a lot and been coaching a lot in the gym. And particularly, I had very muscular arms. And I was in a tank top to begin. And so I didn't look like I didn't have the ability to ambulate. I didn't look injured, right? And 
I didn't look necessarily like I should have been using this motorized device to get me around. And I remember how that felt. And I remember the sense of being ignored and people walking in front of you and a lot of strange looks. And again, that's my perception on, on what people were thinking. And as with most things, right, it begins to shift your perspective on what others may be experiencing when you do move through the world as an able-bodied person that you don't have, right? Until you have that experience. And this was very temporary. I recognize, but just even that moment of gaining perspective on it. And to be perfectly honest, there are many beautiful things about it. The food was incredible. There was this just fresh, like vegetable and grass-fed protein stir fry. And I'm thinking, we're in a zoo? Like, it seems like the only things you're going to get are, you know, deep fried objects. And I remember that because I worked the concession stand at, at my local children's zoo as a job during high school. And believe me, there were not, you know, grass-fed proteins or beautifully stir-fried vegetables out in the open air. And then there was local, of course, ice cream, right? That's a mandatory piece. But, right, granted, I was uncomfortable and it was kind of a long day and there was some grumpiness involved, right? It wasn't as picture-perfect as I had thought. And there were picture-perfect elements. We were literally sitting next to elephants in this space and the Indigo Girls were performing live and it was outdoors and it was mid-June, so it was quite lovely weather. And... Right there was this give and take of arguments amongst my children and some disagreements between me and my husband and you know and I think some of it too was the challenges of not being able to be freely mobile in that space, not being able to get up and dance. Right, if it's your favorite band playing, and appreciation for still being able to participate. And so as I brought those bottles, incidentally, but not right, the universe has tremendous inherent wisdom with me here we are now two weeks to the day from an injury for my eldest son and also for me mine much more minor so it seems perhaps not even worth visiting but I'll acknowledge it for the coincidentality that <laughs> may be an extra syllable in that word and also the reminder right of what our bodies have to tell us so two weeks ago today we were at our usual weekly ski lesson, which my children had been doing for the three weeks prior. That was lesson number three. And I had a pass gifted to me from the school to you know, be able to go onto the slopes and to rent skis. And I've never downhill skied. And I've always been nervous about it. You're thinking there was lack of control and the speed and whatnot. My children have been doing quite well. And I had been exposed to the bunny slope, which was a very moderate in decline or decline, however you want to think about it. Grade, perhaps is a better word. You know, a small magic carpet to ride up and open, right? No obstructions on the path. So I thought, okay, like I could try that. Seems like a hill that I go down on my cross-country skis. These are theoretically heavier and easier to control. And so I decided to embrace it. And this was, you know, leading up to my 40th birthday. And so I did, and I joined my daughter in her lesson, not detracting from it, just observing what she was doing and following the directions. And it seemed to be going pretty well. And then she advanced. So this was her third lesson, right? So she had kind of mastered the bunny hill and was able to stop and turn and connect and all the criteria. And so her lovely instructor was going to take her on the chairlift to the greens. Now, to me, anything that's up a chairlift seems scary, but also green seems like if it's the easiest, it should be relatively easy. 
And they went on one run themselves. I had to make some adjustments with my boots. And then I joined them for the second run. And it was one of those moments, right, where as we were going up the chairlift, I was seeing where we were going. And there was a curve. And there were trees. And immediately, I kind of thought, oh, no, right? And we've talked in the past about our thoughts becoming our results. And so we could see where perhaps the seed was planted already. But we got off and... You know, I had the directions on stopping and we began and we made one slight curve and we all stopped. And again, I was trying to stay behind so as not to interrupt her lesson. And then we went around the next part of the bend. You know, he had given some directions to my daughter. And as I began, I realized I'm picking up speed. We're going around this curve and they had stopped again because he was giving her directions periodically. I didn't want to run into them. And then I thought, there are a lot of trees on this trail. And then I also noticed there's a pretty big drop-off. And mind you, the path is quite wide and there is a large snowbank on the inner part of the curve. And so this could have gone a lot of different ways and I take 100%, 100% responsibility for how this all came to pass. But as it so happened, as I began, I knew, I knew in the moment that I was not stopping, right? And it wasn't scary, it just was. And the interesting part was I saw myself being pulled toward this tree. And I almost saw myself as if I were my daughter watching me. And I thought, okay, like you're going to hit this tree. Like use your leg, right? Like your leg can handle hitting this tree because I didn't want to strike the tree with my head first and foremost. And certainly not with my, you know, arm, hand, otherwise. And thank goodness, right? Wearing a helmet um, is a thing in skiing currently. And I also didn't want to carry on down this cliff, you know, and it was, I don't know, 20 or so feet down to the road below with a number of, you know, smaller trees along the way. And so it was, right? So I struck the tree with my hip. I did have some, you know, whiplash type injury and my head did make contact with the tree though with much less force because, because my kind of hip took the force there. And I went down and one ski came off and the lovely instructor was concerned and verified if I was okay, if I needed ski patrol. And I said, no, let me just find my other ski. And I climbed up the hill twice and you know, got back in. And notably, my daughter was concerned, but also clear on what skiing technique was and that I had not demonstrated it. You know, My pizza and um, edge digging were inadequate. So she advised that I take some more time on the bunny hill, which was totally appropriate. <laughs> perhaps a bit delayed from when it would have been most useful in sight. So we came down the hill and I decided to join her back on the bunny hill for myself and for her to not have that be the last moment of what happened. And so in this time, she finished her lesson. She got the green sticker. She was approved because she successfully navigated those trails. And we saw my son's and they had concluded their lesson and they had been advancing on the different degrees of difficulty of the trails. And so I shared my experience of having crashed. They verified that I was okay. And we parted ways. I went with my daughter to practice my pizza-ing and edge-digging on the bunny hill. She's an excellent teacher. And my sons went to ski with friends on the more advanced slopes. So as we were going to depart, I was anticipating that my sons were going to continue skiing with our quarantine family and my daughter and I were going to head back home to help get dinner ready 
And as I received a call, it was that my oldest son was down. And immediately, I had the thought, is his leg broken? Right? And having not heard anything about what had happened, just that he was down and couldn't stand up, so that was my first thought. And the answer was they didn't know, but it seemed like that he was, you know, it was not any more extensive injury than that, like not a spinal cord injury or whatnot. And there was just waiting. He was up on the mountain and had to be assessed and then brought back down. And we could go through lots of details of what happened there, but ultimately he was brought down by the ski patrol and very grateful to them for their time and to my friend for staying with him and being up because she was nearer to him on the mountain, to the EMS who provided for him, and ultimately to the physicians in the hospital who cared for him. And it turned out that, yes, indeed, he did break his leg. And it was his right leg in precisely the spot where I had struck that tree with my own leg. And interestingly, like I shared with you, I saw myself right striking that tree. I saw it happening in advance. I had the thought of like, use your leg, right? Your leg, like your femur, your thigh bone is pretty strong. And when he fell, he took a jump and was in the air and knew he was going to fall, shared with me that he too had that experience of thinking, okay, right? Like spare your head, spare your neck, spare your back, like land on your leg. Your leg can handle a fall. And true, right? He spared those parts, but the force of the fall and likely some rotation with the skis resulted in a through and through femoral fracture. And my apologies to any of you who have experienced such an injury. You know, this can be quite triggering. I will put that in um, the notes leading into this podcast. But thankfully, again, it was the best case scenario of a relatively unfortunate injury. It spared the growth plates. It was able to be repaired with a plate and screws rather than any kind of rod or nail. Should be removable. You know, he is able to ambulate, not weight bear, but ambulate with crutches. And the recovery overall is relatively smooth. My own sister had this same injury in 1983, and it required four weeks in traction, eight weeks in a body cast with some lifelong implications on pelvic mobility. So again, the advances in medicine are phenomenal and he is certainly benefiting from them and so this cabin visit right that was a long interjection but I promise it's all leading together is was planned in advance of that accident and we are halfway between our home and the ski resort where they have their lessons and the plan was right to have a fun skiing evening to stay here all together to celebrate, you know, a school week sleepover and go to school the next day. And so it came up where we thought, well, do we still do this? Because like, is there still the fun to be had here? And he can't ski. It's been much more cumbersome. And that also brings up my gratitude and appreciation for having relatively independent children, right? At his age of 13, and then coming back to where he needs a lot more direct care, knowing what that's like, appreciating that I can provide that for him, as can my husband. But just again, awareness and perspectives are growing in this time. And so we debated whether or not, and my younger two decided not to go to their lessons last week for a variety of reasons. I imagine some fear, right, and some processing being part of that. But they have agreed today, and we're pending. I'm going to leave here shortly, actually, to have their lessons today. I will go and do some cross-country skiing, which I did on site last night. And actually, in the kind of foreground of this hill where his accident took place, 
I was skiing and did a lot of processing of that experience. There were some bigger downhills in the cross-country tracks than I am used to, and I really did. I had to stop, right, and and decide, like, okay, am I taking on this risk? Do I trust myself? It's going to be okay. I observed another skier go down that hill. And so just recognizing, like, all the feelings that come up around such events. And so that was very helpful for me to work through yesterday. And today we will all enter into this space. And my oldest son has verbalized that he very much is ready to ski again when he has moved through the rehabilitation process, has greater awareness, right, of what his capacity is regarding jumps. But he's not going to end it for this having happened. And so we decided to uphold this overnight. Obviously, he will be here rather than out on the slopes, but noticing how we can still participate even when it isn't the ideal or expected or visualized circumstance or way in which we thought it might happen. And so all of this, right, from a tiny bottle of shampoo and its paired bottle of conditioner and the memories of travel and what it means and how it feels to experience it and what it's like to have a vision, an expectation of what is going to be and then to have a shift in the reality of what is, particularly around injury and whether that be physical injury, mental injury, spiritual injury, moral injury, noticing how they do shift our perspective, how they can limit our participation and not necessarily entirely, all right, I was able to go to that concert with my abdominal binder, thanks to the advances of this electric wheelchair and the ADA-friendly requirements within the Oregon Zoo. For my son, right, so he's not able to ski this evening, but he is much more mobile than he might have been were the injury any other place in his leg or body or were this 5 or 10 or 15 years ago. And he's still able to participate in the way that he is able in this moment. And we get to decide whether that is a problem, whether it's a failure, whether it's a letdown, whether it's a disappointment, or whether it's a celebration, and whether it is a gift of perspective. And noticing the interesting connection that we shared in these injuries. And in some ways, it does help with the recovery process, both my own historic injury in the level of debilitation that was involved with that relative to his own recovery, but also these two acute injuries in that pairing of the perspective and seeing how we shared a lot of common experience, right? Kind of a little bit of a foreshadowing that it was going to happen, a sense of how we could optimize, right? This unfortunate moment that was happening in the midst of it happening. And then to see that connection through the healing process. And over the course of this as well, to really cue in to the thoughts and the feelings that we're having. So for me, I remember on the bunny hill thinking, this is really great. And on the chairlift even, like, this could be really fun. This place is so great. You know, we can engage with friends in new ways. You know, there's so many different slopes. Everybody can find their own needs. And then the immediate shift to, oh, no, this is not going to go well. 
And I shared with you back in the summer, my same oldest son had that thought and a resulting moment there was stitches in his shin. And so we're seeing, right, recurrently the ways in which our thoughts come into action. And then also the invitation to process our feelings. So yesterday, I really, perhaps subconsciously, but I went to ski because it was nearby and it was lovely and snowy and they had some lighted trails. But of course, right, it was going to be for the processing and for the reflection and for the seeing of the space and knowing the association it has presently and the opportunity to shift that association. And finding those openings, those invitations to hear what it is we've been missing, to honor what it is we appreciate, to respect what it is we have had, to celebrate what it is we have currently, to optimize the experiences as they're available to us, even if they are less than ideal, to notice what it is we miss and to allow ourselves to have that grieving space, to let all the feelings in, the frustration, the anger, the shoulds, woulds, coulds, betters, if onlys, right? Not to pretend that they're not there. We can know that they are entirely useless, right, in the recovery process. But at the same time, pretending they're not part of the experience also isn't helpful. And so on the night of the injury, when speaking to my husband and reporting what was happening, we just did. We let them all out, right? We let out all the shoulds and whys and if onlys. And, right, we recognized them as part of a normal reaction and then decided which ones were actually going to help serve us as we moved forward. And for my son, that was his first statement, right? As they unzipped him from the bag that protected him from the snow when coming down the mountain, he said, I shouldn't have done that. And again, there's thoughtfulness in there and some future guidance available and right, deciding whether that's going to hold you back from the recovery process or whether it's going to facilitate it for you. And so as I wrap up here and get ready right, to get changed, to go enjoy the cross-country ski trails, to observe my younger two skiing, and to welcome my older son here for a sense of respite, vacation, normalcy, even in the midst of his injury. I celebrate the power of those meaningful moments in which we are reminded of the joyful experiences in our life, in which we are invited to the full human experience, including grieving, sorrow, frustration, anger, and to notice that it's within that that the joy comes through, that the joy bubbles up. And it's with so much appreciation for the experiences, for the opportunity, with gratitude for this beautiful cabin in the woods where I will return with noticing of the opportunity to be on vacation, to travel and to explore even in my own backyard. So as we move through 2021 and see what is in store, I encourage you to notice what feelings you might have been ignoring, suppressing, wishing away, shifting, thinking weren't useful, and see if you can just welcome them and see what they're there to tell you. 
and see what bag you might unzip and what memory you might welcome and how taking it with you into the present moment actually is an amazing source of healing, of perspective, of appreciation, and of awareness that that which we love is actually always available to us, perhaps just in a way that looks unfamiliar, but still can hold so much beauty. Thank you for joining me as we venture into season three. This is Amelia Beaky with This House You've Had Life. Thank you for listening. <laughs>